If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's up? Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. We do this every Wednesday, live at 9 a.m. We sit, we chat, we talk about California politics, and we do it over some good coffee. And uh, sometimes we have to talk about national politics because that is the focus and that does uh, permeate the news. And obviously, national politics does have an effect here in California. But biggest news we're going to talk about today is obviously... What the heck happened last night at that State of the Union? Now, I try to be pretty fair when it comes to State of the Unions. I try to be pretty fair. And I try to say, is there good stuff? Is there bad stuff? There was not much good about last night's uh, State of the Union address by uh, President Joe Biden. That was about on the level that I was expecting it would be. It was incoherent. There was a lot of stumbling. There was a lot of mumbling. Um... And it was it, it was really rehashed and it was really recycled. It sounded like a State of the Union I've heard a thousand times before. Well, maybe not a thousand times. I mean, that would mean I've been alive for a thousand years, but a bunch of times before. Um, but before we get into all that, drinking some nice uh, Flying Elk Black Rifle coffee this morning. It's a light roast, which is good. It has a little bit more caffeine. Um Fun fact, if you didn't know this, that if you are looking for a coffee with more caffeine, always get a light roast because the darker the roast, it means they've roasted more of the caffeine out of it. Take my word for it. We used to run a coffee shop, uh, me and my family. So if you're looking for more caffeine, always go with a light roast. Always go with that. And that's why I like light roasts first thing in the morning. Most caffeine gets the day started. A uh, couple announcements before we get we hop into this uh, this kind of breakdown of the State of the Union. Yeah, really. Yep. Light roast is stronger in caffeine. So um, also another tidbit about coffee and then we'll get started. Um, espresso has the same amount of caffeine as a eight ounce cup of coffee. It's just the preparation that's different. So um, that's really it. a lot of people think like espresso is like five or 10 times stronger in caffeine than like a normal cup of coffee. Um, but yeah, it's it's the same amount of caffeine. A little shot of espresso is the same as an eight ounce cup of coffee. So there you go. And some people drink those big ass mugs of coffee. So it's even more than an espresso. Um, I love my Nespresso. Um, we have it. It's good for, you know, you just want a quick espresso. It's not going to be as good as if you go to a bird rock or someplace like that. Uh, but uh, if you want an espresso quick in your house, you can certainly do that. And, and it's nice. This I'm not sponsored by Nespresso. I just like them and I like their products. Anyway, so um, quick announcement tonight, different night than usual. Tonight will be the live podcast with Marco Contreras. He is running for Chula Vista City Council District number one. Marco Contreras previously ran for the 76th or 78th district in the assembly. It used to be Shirley Weber's old seat before Shirley Weber was promoted to Secretary of State after Alex Padilla was promoted to Senate because Kamala Harris is now Vice President. It was this whole, like, everybody moved up the chain. Uh, now her daughter is in that seat, but either way, Marco Contreras made a nice run. So now he's running for Chula Vista City Council. Uh, we're going to talk to him tonight at 8 p.m. Uh, it'll be interesting to get his feedback, and he's a really interesting story. I definitely uh, recommend you look him up, business owner. 
uh, family man, all that stuff. So uh, excited to have him on tonight. We're still trying to get the red flag candidate video going. Um, all that. And uh, that's basically it. We've got, got a lot of stuff, a lot of candidates. Red Pill Roundtable, still trying to get that together. Um, hopefully by next week we can get the Red Pill Roundtable together. And that's basically it for announcements. So, all right. Thoughts about the State of the Union. I had to actually write them down. Uh, mostly because there was a lot to handle. And um, I will say I'm proud of the fact that most of my predictions, I'm pretty much sure all my predictions came true. First off, he talked about COVID and he talked about how COVID, they're basically, they are done with COVID, that they've beaten COVID, that they were able to do it with the power of vaccines and everything that they did. Um, they were able to pat themselves on the back, which was not surprising at all. I obviously was expecting that the Democrats would take full credit for that, that they would say they're over it. Um that they're excited that, you know, he started off with he was happy to be back in the chamber and be able to talk to them again because COVID and all that stuff. Um, but you knew they were going to take credit for that. You knew they were going to take credit for defeating COVID. Uh, we knew the polling going into it. We knew that going into it, that they were going to push this out, that they're done with COVID because the polling shows um, that it's bad. It's bad to talk about COVID and that voters are really tired of talking about COVID and that they're basically over COVID and that they're worn out. And at this point, if they keep pushing a lot of COVID restrictions, that voters are really going to turn off. So obviously the going into this, that was one thing he wanted to show was COVID's over. We did it. We beat it because of how fantastic the U S government is. Um, and we can move on from here. And it's, you know, we still got to stay vigilant. He always made, he made sure he said, well, we still got to stay vigilant. You know, we still got to stay vigilant in the face of COVID. Meaning don't get too comfortable because if they need to do more uh, dictates and, and, and orders and all that stuff and mandates, they're still going to do them because they have to make sure that they, they beat COVID. Even though COVID zero, it's becoming more and more popular to say that COVID zero is not a, a, a realistic solution. It's not a scientific solution uh, the science says that there will be there'll never be covid zero it's like that there's still bird flu there's still there was avian flu and then they still have um swine flu and they still have all of these flus that were endemic or or uh pandemics uh in the past are still around with us so they they never go away because you can't really beat them you can fight against them and you can get better and the population get better. And <coughs> Oop, sorry about that. That was our Frenchie, uh, Winnie, uh, who I guess has got a little excited about something. Um, kind of surprised me. Sorry. Jump made me jump a little bit. Wasn't expect. She was fast asleep. She does that. She goes from like fast asleep to wide awake and all of a sudden barking at something, probably a neighbor anyway. So what was I saying? Um, it's never going to go away. It's never going to be COVID zero, but they are going to say like, they're going to still use it as an excuse. They're still going to say that we need to keep the mandates. Um, she had too much coffee. I, I don't think Winnie had any coffee. Um, that it would be interesting to see what a dog looks like on coffee. Um, are y'all good Winnie? You got that all out going back to sleep. Okay. Going back to her dog bed. Um, it'll never be COVID zero. It'll never be COVID zero. And that, that we have to accept that. And we can't sit here and always be living on the edge of a knife going, we need more mandates. 
we need this. We're always ready to go. And uh, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I would not hope I would not put it past a lot of these elected officials unless there's a huge red wave and there's a huge turnover. No, I'm never going to give coffee to my dog. No, that's that was a joke. It was I would never give coffee to my dog. Um, Somebody's like, don't give coffee to dogs. No, I would never give coffee to a dog. Just water, water and her food. Um, but I, I wholly expect that like after November 8th, after the midterms, I would not put it past them that all of a sudden they're going to talk about how, Oh, look at this. It's winter time. And look at these, these COVID variants are starting to rise again. Um, I would not put it past them because we've now, we've now seen that the power of polling does have an effect on the democratic party that now if the polling shows that they're going to get slaughtered at the midterms, all of a sudden, like on a dime, we saw blue states and blue state governors all of a sudden just give up all of their mandates. Like, look at here in California. All of a sudden, now we've changed, and now we're getting rid of the mask mandate in schools, even though there are some schools who are still clinging to it, like San Diego Unified here. Um, but now, all of a sudden, we're starting to see them drop emergency powers, and we're tr- they're trying to kind of change the narrative of saying we're going back to normal and we're getting past COVID. Um, and this is stuff that a lot of people have been saying for a long time. They're mislabeled as conspiracy theorists, as people who are spreading medical misinformation. But now it's okay to say all that stuff. So I fully expected that he would have said that they beat COVID and that it's over. Um, and that was that was spot on. He definitely did that. Um, inflation. I don't know if Joe Biden understands inflation or he's just being fed a lie to tell people so that it sounds like inflation is not his fault. Um, The way he tried to explain how you stop inflation and his weird kind of whispering voice. First of all, I don't understand this, this weird whispering voice that he does. I think it's like he's trying to tell people a secret, like a well-known secret. That's like his like thing. He like, like it's a well-known secret and you have to, you have to print more money to get rid of inflation. Like he always does that weird, like whispering thing to kind of make it sound like it's a secret that everybody should know. Um, but I don't think he understands or his handlers told him to say that because they have to figure out how to kind of shirk the duty of inflation. Inflation's bad and it's not I mean, a lot of it is his fault. A lot of it is also Trump's fault. Trump printed a lot of money um, during COVID as well. So they dumped trillions and trillions of dollars into our economy, which is causing inflation. There's the supply chain issue, which is not being helped by his secretary of transport, uh, transportation, uh, Pete Boot Edge Edge, um, who my wife absolutely despises because she's like, he has no idea what he's doing when it comes to transportation. She works in the transportation industry. Um. And so there's a lot of things that are contributing to inflation and the Fed is not going to raise rates now, probably because of Ukraine and Russia. He's probably going to put that off. Um, So now we're in this kind of weird place where either we raise rates and burst the bubble and cause the economy incredible harm, or we keep inflation going and we just say we're going to live with inflation. I mean, I went to the store the other day to buy chicken. And I was shocked that, you know, just a pound of chicken is like over $10 now. Like chicken used to be the cheap thing. Like that was what you used to get when you wanted to go get something cheap was I'm going to go get chicken and I'm going to make some chicken. 
But now the fact that it's like over $10 for chicken is kind of scary. You know, I wanted to go buy a steak the other day. The steak was easily over $20 a pound. It's, it's inflation is here. And, and, and to that point, a lot of people don't really watch the state of the union. Let's just talk about that. A lot of people don't watch the state of the union. Um, most people don't sit down unless you're sort of a political nerd, like basically everybody who's on this podcast right now, who's tuning in because you've tuned into a political podcast at 9am on a Wednesday, uh, to talk about politics. Most of you have watched it. You're not going to really, a lot of people don't really tune into the state of the union. So even if he says all these things, the fact is they're still going to the store and they're still going to recognize that prices have gone up. You know, your meats are more expensive. Your vegetables are more expensive. Your grocery bill overall is more expensive and people need food to live. That is, that is a straight fact. Obviously that's, you know, as Joe Biden would say, you know, in his whisper, he say, come on, man, people need food to live. You know, come on, man. Um, but this is stuff that normal Americans are going to see. They are going to see the inflation. They're going to see the rising gas prices. They're going to see the rising gas prices because of the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Um, so there's, there's this is stuff that they're going to see. And trying to explain this weird way that if we dump more money into the economy, that his plan would give more money into the economy. Somehow that would reduce cost. And he said like, oh, I just, I'm calling on all the businesses to just lower your costs. Like lower your costs. That's it. Just lower your costs. Oh, is that all it takes, Joe? It just takes you lowering your costs. I didn't know that. As a business owner myself, I wish it were that easy. I wish I could just be like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I should just lower the cost of everything. I don't get to lower the cost of stuff as a business owner. It is what it is. That's the way the economy and transactions work. I don't get to just arbitrarily lower the cost of things. Um, for example, if I buy something from somebody, I'm not going to say, well, excuse me, sir, can you lower the cost so I don't have to charge my customers as much anymore? That doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, if you were working in a restaurant, are you going to go to your food provider and say, listen, man, can you just lower the cost of your your goods that you're selling me? Because this inflation, we really need to stop this inflation. So uh, can you just lower the cost of what you're selling to me? And then I could lower the cost. That's not how it works. The price is determined and it's passed down the economic chain. There's not, you can't just turn around and go, just everyone lower their cost. Yeah, well, if everyone just lowered their cost today, there'd be less profits and a lot more businesses would go under because there's not room for profits. And already, a lot of businesses are already dealing with enormous struggles and, and, and shrinking profit margins. And you're asking them to lower cost as if they can just do that arbitrarily. Um, so I don't think he really understands inflation. Or I, I think the more likely explanation is that they really tried to figure out a way and they're trying to figure out a way to explain away inflation. Um, they're trying, they tried the whole transitory thing. They said, well, this is just transitory. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to go away sooner or later. Like this is just transitory because we're coming out of the pandemic and people are getting, uh, back into the workforce. That's what's really going on here. Um, that didn't work. People saw that it was persistent 
inflation. Um, and now they're trying to say, well, inflation's actually been caused by Ukraine and Russia. That's really what is causing inflation, which is a unique way to say that somehow the Ukraine-Russia conflict, which just started a week ago, is now all of a sudden causing, was the cause of inflation for the past year. Like, that's a weird way to say, like, um, that's a weird way to, to, to argue that inflation, that's why inflation happened, was because Ukraine and Russia happened. That's why we've had inflation for the past year is because of Ukraine and Russia. I don't think a lot of people are buying that. So again, I don't think he's really going to figure out how to get his way out of this inflation argument. And it hurts people and people see it every single day and they're reminded of it every single day. So it doesn't matter what nice things he says at the State of the Union. People still see it. People still go to the grocery store and they still see the price of everything going up from milks and milk and eggs and meats and produce. And everything is going up. Um, it, it's just more expensive to live. Uh Let's see. Obviously, the flubs. I'm going down my list here because, like I said, there's so much to talk about. And then I'll get to your comments and questions and all that. Um, the flubs, obviously, are were expected. Um, not, not surprising. There were more than I thought. Uh, there were more than I thought there would be. I guess they pumped them full of enough B12 or Adderall or whatever to make it through an hour and a half or an hour, it was, I think it was an hour and two minutes uh, speech. They got him just enough to get through a full hour, but there were plenty of flubs. I mean, obviously, he called the Ukrainians the Iranian people. He said a pound of Ukrainian people. He got a lot of stuff wrong, um, stuff that just, you you were listening, you go, I, I don't know what the heck this guy is talking about. And, and that's another thing that, that always kind of baffles me and the power of gaslighting, the power of the media. I had brought this up in a chat room with a whole bunch of people who support Biden and they were like, Oh, come on, man. He has a speech impediment. Yo. And it's like, okay, first off this whole, he's had a speech impediment. His whole life is such a blatant lie. And the fact that people believe this are also probably the same people who believe like the ghost of Kiev and Snake Island and all that stuff, everything the media tells them. Um, but I was somebody, I'm not ashamed to say it, I voted for Obama twice and before I you know, saw the light and stopped voting for Democrats. Uh, and I followed that administration pretty closely. And I don't remember them ever talking about Joe Biden having some sort of speech impediment. I, you know, you think it would be something that they'd want to bring up and talk about and maybe like say, oh, this is, you know, this is why Joe Biden has so many gaffes is because he has a speech impediment. And you can always turn that into a political asset and say, well, you know, I'm on behalf of all the people who have speech impediments. And look, I, I've shown, which is what he tried to do in 2020. People, I don't know how many people believe it. Enough people believed it. Um, but I know in those eight years, they never talked about it. If he said a gaffe or he screwed up, it was always, oh, that's just, you know, that's just Joe Biden. That's good old Joey. You know, he's just, he's a gaffe machine and he says stuff because he's Joe Biden. He just says stuff. Um, somebody asked, what made you see the light? That's a long story. Um, uh, maybe on the red pill round table, I'll discuss my story of how I, I came around, um, uh, and stopped voting for Democrats. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, 
I don't remember. As someone who voted for the Obama administration twice, the Obama-Biden administration twice, I followed it closely. I was a, I've been a political nerd for many years. I don't remember them ever talking about Joe Biden having a stutter or stuff like that. And a stutter doesn't make you just say weird things that don't make sense. His, his stutter doesn't all of a sudden just make you say things incorrectly. Um, so the fact that people like try and argue this away, someone sent me an article on Twitter and they were like, look, it's well known. He's always had a stutter. And it was a PBS article or is an NPR article from like September, 2020. I'm like, okay, so of less than two months before the election. Now, all of a sudden NPR comes out with like this, this article saying that he had a speech impediment his whole life that we've never heard about. So I don't buy that. I don't buy that. He's had a speech impediment his whole life. Um, and there were a lot of flubs. He, he made, you know, I was playing the drinking game with Crowder. Um, uh, I was watching louder with Crowder because they do a good coverage of it and they had a drinking game and it just felt like every 10 seconds we were like taking a drink. Uh, it got pretty bad after a while. We we're like, Oh my gosh, we're like, we're going to be blowing through, blowing through beers at this point. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about, um, before we, before I open it up to comments and questions and let you guys kind of hop in and be like, let me tell you what your thoughts are on the whole state of the union. Well, I take a sip of my coffee, coffee, um, the, the speech, did anybody else think the speech sounded really recycled? Like, yeah, Crowder is very good. Someone said Crowder is the only way I could get through it. That's the best way to get through it. Um, the speech to me sounded incredibly recycled and it sounded like stuff I've heard before. It was almost like they took a little bit of like a Trump speech and they took a little bit of like a recycled Obama speech and they kind of meshed them together and they put them together. It was like they almost forgot they had to write a speech for Joe Biden until the last minute. They're like, I just, just, just grab. Um, oh, can you hear Winnie? You can hear Winnie snoring in the background. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing with Frenchies is that you can hear them snoring a lot. Um, anyway, so you can the, the, the speech felt very recycled. First off, there was a lot of stuff that like Trump said a year ago, which Democrats sat on their hands and didn't want to talk about. Uh, let's see. Buy American, American manufacturing. Uh, we need to support American businesses. Uh, we need to make the tax code fair for the middle class. Um, you know, let's fund the police. You know, that was stuff that Trump was saying not too long ago. And now all of a sudden, because it's him saying it, they're, the Democrats are up there like, oh, yes, that was fantastic. That was great. Or in Nancy Pelosi's case, she's doing whatever the heck this thing was with her, her knuckles together. Um, so that's a lot of stuff that like Trump was saying two years ago in his State of the Union address. And now all of a sudden, because Democrats are in power or you have a Democrat president, now all of a sudden they're up there clapping like trained seals that, oh, it's just, oh yeah, we believe in a man, American manufacturing and American jobs. And it's just stuff that you hear from Democrats again and again. And you hear from a lot of presidents, to be completely honest. And it just seems like none of this stuff ever gets accomplished. They're always like, we need to invest in American, uh, we need to invest in American businesses and we need to invest in American manufacturing and then we need to do blah, 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 blah. And none of it ever happens, but it does sound nice to say like, buy, you know, made in America, buy American. Um, 
which he contradicted himself by saying, I want to help American manufacturing and American made. But then he also went on this whole tirade about how corporations aren't paying their fair share and they need to make the tax code fair. Um, you know, I mean, you knew he was going to throw the fair share thing in there. So on one hand, he wants to support American manufacturing. And then on the other hand, he wants to tax American. Yeah. See, even when he's upset with it, she's frustrated too. Um, and then he wants to over like really tax American corporations. doesn't really make any sense to me. I don't know how you're going to do that. How are you going to support American manufacturing and American businesses when you want to tax the corporations? Everything's a corporation. So when he says like corporations, he's talking about most businesses. Most businesses are corporations, right? Um, the mom and pop store down the street is probably some form of, of corporation, whether it's an LLC or it's a corporation or an S corp or something like that. Most businesses are corporations, right? That's just the way they're set up. So for you to say like America, you know, corporations aren't paying their fair share. Uh, well, then you're talking about probably 90 over 90% of businesses in America. So you want to tax overtax all the businesses in America. So you heard a lot of stuff that was very Trumpian at once. Uh, you know, the American manufacturing, we want got to buy American support American. We got to fund the police. We got to help the middle class. Uh, oh, lower the cost of prescription drugs, which we've been hearing for, I don't know, since I've been paying attention to politics when, when W was in office, he was talking about lowering the cost of prescription drugs. They never do anything about it. Um, then uh, there was stuff about like, you know, stuff that he pulled from Obama speeches, like the whole, I don't see deer wearing Kevlar vests. I feel like I've heard that line before and I'm pretty sure it was from an Obama speech or something where he talks about, oh yeah, you don't need a, you know, yeah, AR-15 because them deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests out there. And it's like, that's not the point of the second amendment. The, and I don't know why do they keep saying the second amendment is only for hunting? The second amendment wasn't created just for hunting. Like that's not the point of the second amendment. Um, they didn't write the second amendment to say every citizen of the United States shall have the right to bear arms, to go hunting. Like that's not what the second amendment is about. Um, but it's cute. So, um, they, they go with that line a lot that, that the deer are out there wearing Kevlar vests. Um, and some, for some reason we don't need AR 15s to go hunting. Um, you know, that, that's a pretty popular trope that they, they always say the same thing over and over again. Uh, so again, that was kind of recycled from like Obama days, uh, the fair share corporations, lowering prescription drug costs, all that stuff that all, that all sounds like Obama stuff. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's felt very recycled. It felt very recycled. It felt very old. It felt like there wasn't really a lot to say. Um, it didn't seem like there was anything new. It, it just seemed like the same stuff they always promise every year. Every president comes out and, pr and promises every single year. Um, and the only difference is, is that you know, when you have a Democrat in office, the difference is, is that the government is the all knowing, all powerful, all wonderful, uh, entity that can solve all this stuff like cancer. Like now all of a sudden there is this, um, push to, to solve or to cure cancer. But you ever notice that he doesn't give himself a deadline. He doesn't give himself a deadline to say, we're going to cure cancer in, by the end of this decade. You know, we're going to work together. 
And he could have easily said something like, look at how our partnership with the healthcare industry helped stop COVID and save thousands of lives. Um, and he could have tied that in with, we should continue that partnership to end cancer as we know it and save even more lives. Uh, but he didn't do that. He just said, well, we're just going to, we're going to end cancer because there shouldn't be. And that, that was something else. I believe Obama said once a long time ago that he wants to end cancer. Um, the government obviously says we want to do this, give us money to do this, but they never give themselves an end date to all of a sudden be like, okay, we have to get it by this date. And that's our accountability. We have to get it by this date. Um, it, it kind of reminded me of like of noodles executive order where he's going to ban gas powered cars by 2035, which I know is not going to happen. It's because he only ordered this executive order one to get the press uh, to make it seem like he's doing this fantastic thing by banning gas powered cars in California and two, he put it so far out in the future, nine years after he would hypothetically finish his second term, hopefully he doesn't get a second term, that there's likely going to be another governor. There could be two more governors. There could be two new governors by the time this executive order goes into place, and it could be wiped off, could be quietly get discarded, and but at least he got the he got the praise, and he got the political points, so... The government never gives themselves any sort of accountability or deadline to get these things done. They just say, give, give us the money and we'll figure it out. Um, and they've they've been saying we're going to cure cancer, that the government all of a sudden is going to cure cancer for I don't know how many years. I, and for all I know, there hasn't been really that much improvement in treating cancer. So uh, that's my thoughts. My final thoughts are... It was a train wreck and the media is going to do its best to really kind of push him over the top and and say this was a fantastic speech. CNN was already talking about how it was a strong, unifying speech and whatever. Uh, But at the end of the day, I I don't think it it was rehashed. It was recycled. It was incoherent. There was a lot of stuff you looked at and go, this doesn't make any sense. You can't cure inflation by printing more money and asking people to lower costs. Um, so all in all, I don't think it helps the Democrats. I think they're trying to pivot to sound more moderate because they've seen the polls. They see how bad it is. They see the slaughter. It's going to happen. And hopefully by next year, when he gives his next day of the union, you know, Nancy won't be back there rubbing her knuckles together or fixing her dentures. Uh, it'll be somebody else who's going to be back there as the new house leader, uh, because hopefully they'll flip the house. Um, but by how much hopefully it's a lot and hopefully it makes a a big change stalemate government is not the worst thing in the world because it means the government if this government's not doing anything sometimes that's the best thing in the world is when the government just kind of stalemate and doesn't do anything all right so those were my thoughts on the state of the union uh hop in right now in the comments uh let me know what your thoughts on the state of the union if there's anything that kind of stuck out to you from the State of the Union that you want to talk about. Maybe I glossed over it. Um, Yeah. What do you think about the new push to get HIV testing? I don't know what that's all about. They're they're all about the HIV testing now. And and, it's not a bad thing. I mean, people should be getting more more tested. Um, Some guy outside getting a little angry at his his dog that he's walking. Um, A lot of dog action today. Some... 
A lot of, a lot of dog action going on. Thoughts on Lauren, Lauren Boebert's remarks. Uh, I heard she like yelled out that there was 13 dead because of the Afghan, Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, she's right. I, and they are, you know, his, his disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal did cost the lives of 13 servicemen. Um, and it, it's funny how political dissidents, when it was Trump given a state of the union was applauded as like heroic and fantastic. But when Lauren, Lauren Boebert does it, it's disrespectful and you like have some respect for the office and stuff like that. Um, she's a fighter. Um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, I was, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene keeps sticking her foot in her mouth. This was something I've seen is that, uh, you know, I was all about her. She changed my mind when she went on Tim pool and I, I loved what she said on Tim pool. And then she went to that convention hosted by Nick Fuentes and, and my stance is whoever aligns with Nick Fuentes or she like pretended she didn't know what Nick Fuentes stand stood for. I was like, come on. Um, I don't know that that made me lose a little bit of respect for MTG after that. So yeah, Nancy Pelosi tore up the state of the union address speech, but that was like this big heroic thing. This was like, yeah, you, you go girl. Like, yeah, that was like a big deal. Um, but now because they're like pushing back and they said it's, it's disrespectful to the office. So, um, team Termino in the house, uh, someone said, is it bad? I couldn't watch. Should I now? Nah, you don't have to watch. I gave you the whole, I mean, if you want to, you can go ahead and watch, but that's basically the, the gist of what happened. Uh, team Tremino says white house is a joke. Focus on local, uh, primary elections are June 7th. We can't agree with everyone on everything. True. No, I, I don't think you should agree with everybody on everything. I don't want people to my my thing has uh, uh, with with this platform is I, I invite all points of views. This is not, yeah, we we lean a certain way um, and all that, but uh, at the end of the day, it's really I, I want people to come here and express their views and not feel like they're they're specifically uh, pigeonholed into one thing. So, yeah. Talk about California. Um, what do you want to talk about California? Today, today I really kind of was talking about the State of the Union because uh, that was that's the biggest thing going on right now. Um, when is Pelosi ever sober? I don't know. She's she's a mess. When she's not eating, you know, $20 ice cream in front of her $30,000 fridge. Do you watch Gutfeld? Love it or hate it? Um, I actually... I don't watch a lot of Fox news. The first time I, the last week was the first time I've turned on Fox news in a long time. Uh, just because I want to get like on the ground reporting of what was happening in Ukraine. You can't really get that through Twitter or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I turned it on in a long time. I, you know, I've tuned into Gutfeld a little bit here and there. It's, it's all right. I, I'm not, I don't know. I appreciate his try to like, He's trying to like make it funny to watch conservative late night um, as opposed to like left leaning late night. So I appreciate that. It's just not for me. I don't know. I tried watching it a couple of times. Tim pool is where it, it's 
it's I'm assuming it's where it's at. Yeah, I, li- I like Tim Pool. Tim Pool's good. He's got a lot of good people on. Um, long form, long form interviews are always great. Um, so yeah, did anyone catch one? He said global taxes. Actually, I didn't. So they've been pushing this idea of like a nat a, 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 a an international corporate tax for a long time. Um, and I know they've been pushing it quietly to try and implement this like international corporate tax that like all corporations have to pay this international tax, uh, which I don't know how you have the legal authority to do so. I guess it's just a pack that you pass that and then other countries also follow it. I'm not really sure uh, how to how you that would even happen. Will you be posting this live on it? The video of this live always goes up on Instagram right afterwards, and then there's always an audio version um, that goes up on Apple and Google and Spotify and all that stuff. So if you don't want to sit here and watch the video and, and watch my face blabber on for an hour, you can always just listen to the audio version, and you'll still get Winnie snoring in the background, even on the audio version. So let's see. Timcast has been very good lately. Apparently, FBI, I, I've been following that. He's been getting swatted a lot um, for some reason. So, um, people keep calling these swats on Tim, Tim pool. The mass ending for the kids on March 11th is a joke. Why do they wait for two weeks? Our poor children. I don't really, uh, I mean, one, one conspiracy theory is that it, it ends like right after the time to file. Um, which ironically is that it ends the day after filing for the midterms, uh, the filing deadline for, for California. So if you, it's, I think it's for any office, if you want to, uh, run, it's like that date. That's one conspiracy theory is that they set it that date. I don't know why it's two weeks and not today. Like, is there a big difference between two weeks to today? Like, is it that we, we already know that kids are at a enormously reduced risk from COVID. Um, so I, I don't understand why they're waiting two weeks. I don't understand why some places like San Diego unified are still implementing it. They're still holding on to the mask for kids. And I don't understand why, um, if their whole thing is that they're trying to save face before the midterm elections, that's not really a good way to do it. Uh, to keep kids in mass because you're just going to piss off more parents the way I look at it. There are a lot of parents who don't want it to end. That's that's correct. And the sad thing is, is that th- there was that poll that came out from Berkeley that said like two thirds of people in California still believe that there should be vaccine and mask mandates. A lot of people dismissed it and said, I don't believe in polls. I don't believe in this. And then I think I, I wouldn't dismiss it so fast. Um, I wouldn't dismiss that poll because that does show it does give you a glimmer into how people think in California. It does show you there is a lot of work to be done that it's not, uh, you know, a lot of people live in this, this mindset that California is really red and it really went for Trump in 2020. I'm like, it didn't go for Trump in 2020. I'm sorry. It it hasn't gone red in a long time. Um, because it absolves you of the responsibility of having to work to change things. And that's, why I don't think you should really dismiss this poll as like, oh, it's, you know, it's from Berkeley and uh, people believe there should be maybe, but 
it just gives you the idea that there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of bridges to build to kind of talk to people. So I wouldn't dismiss that. There are a lot of parents who believe that masks should still be happening. And, and I even now, when I go to the store, I feel like I see a lot more people this time around, even though the mask mandate has been dropped. Um, I feel like I see a lot more people who still wear masks to the grocery store, even though they don't have to wear a mask. And they're also putting their kids in masks, which is really kind of sad. I, I get sad when I see parents putting their kids in masks um, because it does kind of like it does kind of make you feel like they're pushing this thing onto their kids that their kids really don't understand. Um, and if they only did understand how it's not really that scary, it, you know, it, it's, it's detrimental because you're teaching these kids that there's something scary out there and they don't quite understand it. Um, and to young children who can't understand that, that fear or what's out there, that is quite scary. So I, I think that is something to consider. Um, let's see. I, excuse me parents should be pissed off and stop standing for this nonsense i think there's a lot of people who are, are very pissed off the political science yes they're following the political science my daughter is a teacher and was asked to resign for not wearing a mask for two days after newsom unmasked at the football game wow uh my son's private school made it optional effective yesterday well, that's good any idea when the vote for SB 866, SB 8? Uh, not really, but if you want to follow these, you can go to the Legislative Info site for California and you can track these bills and they will tell you when they're coming up for a vote. They have to go through committee and all this stuff and they have to get to the floor. So, Who did they poll? Berkeley Libs? I don't know who they poll. I didn't look at the polling data, but even so, like... It does like I wouldn't dismiss it. I wouldn't dismiss these polls because it shows there's a lot of work to do um, and that you can't just dismiss everything and be like, well, it doesn't agree with my it doesn't it, it doesn't conform with my worldview. So therefore, obviously, it, it's wrong. Like um, there's a lot of work to be done in California and it, it is important that we understand that and see what their their what their feelings are and kind of reach out. So. Mm -hmm. my kids will be sent to school with masks. It's optional now indoors. And I'm still one of the only unmasked at grocery stores. Um, and Costco all still masks when they don't have to be mass formation psychosis. Yeah. It's, uh, people they're holding on to it. My neighbor still wears a mask to walk her dog. Like people who wear the mask to who, who wear the mask when they're, uh, driving. Let's see. My son is so happy he doesn't have to wear a mask anymore. A lot of kids, though, their parents taught them to be scared. See, that's sad. Like, that's just... To me, that's really sad that they've they've kind of conditioned their kids to think a certain way. And you can hear a lot of these kids are... They're not saying these thoughts all by themselves. These are a lot of times what their parents are kind of parroting or, like, the parents are parroting the media and everything to them. And then uh, they parrot that to their kids and then their kids parrot it. So it just kind of becomes like a chain of parroting of like they parrot what they hear from the media and then the kids parrot what their parents hear. I'm in L.A. and went to the store maskless. I got so many looks. Luckily, I wasn't alone. No, that's good. 
baby giggling at me on my flight home last night, so I was smiling back and I realized he couldn't see it. Oh, that's sad. Some kids have already been conditioned to feel vulnerable without masks. I see a lot of teens outside with them still on. That's the weird thing to me is that there's a lot of teens I see walking around by themselves or in groups all wearing masks. And that to me just shows either it's just become part of like the psyche that like they they've seen celebrities and they've seen enough people to believe this is the thing to do that they wear masks, um, which is scary. Um, but there's a good amount of teens I've seen also who are pushing back, you know, a good amount of teens who go to school and they don't wear masks and they're relegated to sitting in the auditorium or the gym or something like that. Stop with the assumptions. This is stuff that gets me angry as a parent assumptions for my assumptions for myself. I have to wear a mask because I have a child leukemia. So I will wear a mask to protect her. Stop with the assumptions. Um, okay. I mean, nobody said it was black and white. It's just everybody should have their, their right to choose what they want to do. That's all I'm saying. Let's see. You can support me. I'll be running for Congress in 2024 to fight back against these. Talent. Please pray for California. I feel like I'm living in my nightmare. Uh, so sad to see how teen suicides really increased during pandemic, all because of fear on TV. Um, let's see. Do, 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 just kind of getting through all your comments. It's because they're all afraid of having their face seen. Massive become a fashion accessory for a lot of teens. Yeah, they've made it. So it is sort of a fashion accessory. Now teens are very self-conscious, so they often wear to hide their faces. Um, I mean, as a guy who went through really bad acne in high school, you know, I could understand that. So family of mine, he's in his late 20s, quit his job as a teacher, find work online and lives as a shut in with his wife and two daughters. They have an approved list of people. Uh, geez. I know people like that who were like they, they wouldn't go out or they wouldn't let people in because of. They, they're just so afraid. A customer told my son that he was going to die for not wearing a mask, then insisted on knowing his vax status when he refused to tell her she called corporate. That's a, I feel like people are also, um, they're getting really, you know, this there was this, this sense of like importance for a lot of people who got a lot of like feeling of like self-importance and, and power over all of this and it's scary for them to they're you know they're gonna lose it pretty soon so um it's gonna be tough for them to get past it and figure that out and 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 i don't know it's gonna take a while to kind of decompress from that because they they felt like it's like their crusade for for two years now is to be this person who is going to push everybody's got to wear a mask and, you know, be the police and be the mass police and all that stuff. It's given them this sense of like power and moral superiority and all that, um, that they, they had never had before. Now all of a sudden they are going to get that ripped away from them. Um, and it's going to be tough to see how they get through it. There's going to be a need to a lot of deconditioning of the fear agenda that's been pushed. Yeah. And I think that's why, even though Democrats have, they have a tough road ahead of them because a lot of their their constituency do believe this stuff. And it's going to be hard for them to decondition 
a lot of these people to believe so. Like there was a skit on SNL that was making the rounds about how they were making a joke about, you know, you don't have to wear your mask. They went, there's like a whole bunch of people went out to dinner and they were like, oh, you don't have to wear your mask anymore. And the guy's like, oh, I, I just got so used to wearing it. And then someone brought up an article about how from Bloomberg saying like masks did little to change anything. And um, people at the table were like, what? Like, so there is this, it's going to take a while to decondition them. And it's going to take a while between the media and culture and all that to kind of like get them back off the ledge and be like, it's okay. You can go back to your life and all that stuff. And um, it, it is sad that there are a lot of people who just, they, they won't, they won't snap out of it. Um, so, but why is California so easily conditioned? I don't see this in other states. Well, it's because of the, the demographic and the way the voter makeup. Um, I mean, it is a lot of politics. It is a lot of politics because it became, um, you know, it did become a political, it, it did become political tribalism. Um, and once, and it would always be interesting to me if like Trump had won re-election and I'm not going to get into that whole comment. I, I know people are going to say one thing or the other. Um, but if Trump was still in office and he was doing all this, how much pushback would there be from Democrats on a lot of this stuff? There'd probably be a good amount of pushback from people or people on the left because they wouldn't want to listen to what Donald Trump says. Um, but because it's Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and all the Democrats are unified and they all push it, now all of a sudden it's that's their thing and that they stand for it and they've been pumped full of these lines of like, you know, I wear a mask and I do this because I want to protect others and I care about others. Um, it's... It's uh, it's tough, and it's tough because the political conditioning has really worked here in California. And don't forget, 49% of voters here, registered voters here in California, are Democrat. So there's a good amount of people who are who lean that way. So already you're starting off the bat, 50% of voters believe whatever the Democratic Party is telling them. And then you have the independents and the Republicans, and they're probably a good amount of independents who believe the same thing. So that's why it is, it's political conditioning and it's, it's because it's your political tribe that people follow it so quickly. Um, they just kind of sign up for it and they go, okay, I'm going to sign up for this. And then this is what my, my party is telling me. And this is what I, I subscribe to. So that is, uh, you know, it's not that they're easily conditioned. It's that they're just good party loyalists. Um, so but I, I think there's a lot of people who are not really following it as much in California as they used to, mostly because I think they, they've seen what happened um, and how it's affected them, and maybe they've done their own research and, and all that stuff. So uh, again, that's why I want to do that red pill roundtable with people who formerly were on the left, have now moved more center or right. Um, so I think that would be an interesting conversation to be like, what prompted you to go from left to right or, or change or drop the Democratic Party or something like that? So California is very blue. A person that runs for our governor in that state doesn't stand a chance. Well, it depends on who runs. Um, it's like turning off the game when your team is losing. Um, your team is losing. I don't know what that's in reference to, but 
excuse me. I don't know why I'm coughing so much today. It's kind of warm down here in San Diego. So, uh, I think a lot of people view politics like they do football teams. It's sad, but it shouldn't be like that. That's correct. Yeah. I think a lot of people just automatically, um, assume based on political tribalism. If you follow me for an extended amount of time, I, I despise political tribalism because I think you shouldn't, you shouldn't really just blindly accept whatever your party says. Like, and there's a lot of people who just blindly accept stuff and they don't think for themselves. Like parties have their own agendas, which is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to have an agenda. Um, but I think you should really question everything. You should question both parties. You should question all of them. In my mind, you shouldn't just sit around and, and wait for the red meat. And I feel like there's a lot of red meat that, um, gets kind of spewed out and people kind of regurgitate it and they think it's like, you know, um, uh, they, they think like that's what the real truth is. Um, so I always, I always tell people when it comes to politics, don't be a political tribalist, you know, or political loyalist. Um, yeah, absolutely. Republicans, uh, yeah, I'm growing out this beard. I almost got to trim it soon. Uh, I'm going to trim it for, for Easter. I'm going to shave it off. Um, so I got a couple more weeks of this. Um, yeah, if, if you follow this page for any amount of time, you know, I, I do call out Republicans a lot. I call out Republicans a lot because I think they're doing an, a, an awful job of really doing anything here in California. Um, they've basically become just a, a whiny little party that doesn't do anything but sits and complains and asks you for money. So... Um, people parties can grow if we are in, in our own parties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We have to recognize that. And I think a lot of people again, and, and Camille knows better than anyone. Um, someone mentioned the whole, like Kim, uh, Kim Klasik and Candace Owens video that they really enjoyed it. And people are always like, well, why are we, why are you fighting against each other? Like, this isn't the time we need to all unite. And it's like, not well, I mean, like you can't just accept everybody because they wave an American flag and say they're Republican and that they're MAGA and all that stuff. Like, um, you have to kind of vet them out and be like, are they doing this because they just want to get notoriety? They want to get fame. They want to make money. Uh, and you see that a lot. You see that a lot in California. You see a lot of people who jump on this, this bandwagon of like, well, if I just pretend like I'm the most conservative in the race, you know, I'm the most MAGA person and I'm all this, that people will vote for me. And yeah, people will support you and people will give you money because you are feeding them the red meat that they're looking for. You're feeding into their, their confirmation bias. And hell, if you can get a couple thousand people to give you, you know, 50 to a hundred bucks, all of a sudden you've made yourself a quick hundred thousand dollars and uh, you can go do whatever you want with it. Well, not whatever you want with it until someone catches you. But People have figured out that they can just keep going with this, this sort of, I'm going to call it a scam is like, they'll play a part so that you will, that people will buy into it and believe like, oh, that's, that's really all we need is if we just get someone who's more conservative and more MAGA and more of a Trump supporter, then we'll win California. It's like, nah, the real candidates understand the game and they understand what they're up against and they understand that they, they have to reach across the aisle. Um, and 
those are the real candidates who understand they're actually looking at the numbers going, okay, I have this many Democrats, I have this many independents, and I need to reach across the aisle and get these people to support me, not just pander to this small minority of voters. Um, so yeah, it's not that it is definitely the point I'm going for is that a lot of people are like, why are they fighting? Why are Kim Klasik and Candace Owens fighting? Because a lot of shady stuff came out about Kim Klasik. And, you know, I had done a video on her before, uh, that looked into it and there is a lot of shady stuff, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to companies that were not in good standing that were supposedly out of business to throw a election party that she was going to lose by a huge margin anyway. Like she threw this big lavish party um, for a race that she was going to get blown out anyway, which seems like a waste of money. It's not like it was going to be a close race. It's not like it came down to the wire. Um <coughs> But to throw like hundreds of th- like that much money at a, a election race kind of makes you sit back and go, I don't, I don't think you're really doing this for the right reasons. Um, so, and there's grifters on both sides, but if you're going to want to, if you want the best out of your party, you got to examine everybody and get those people out. So that's my point. Don't be a political tribalist. Question everybody and question everything. (laughs) Let's not forget she was going to represent Major at his prom. Um, Yeah, Major Williams and his prom. Yeah. Uh, Bets on Major Williams. You know, he's got a couple more weeks until he's got a file. Uh, uh, My belief is Major Williams will not... um, He surprisingly won't be on the ballot uh, just because it means he has to produce his tax returns. And I don't think he wants to produce his tax returns because it would show like what's really going on with his taxes and where he's getting his income from. Oh, thank you. Yeah. If you get sued for defamation or anything like that, you can always hire me because I have a track record of beating politicians who think you're defaming them. Um, you know, not only Major Williams, it's also, uh, there was a local person here, Corey Schumacher, uh, anti-slap. We did that as well. So, and she lost that one too. So politicians who, any politician who threatens that they're going to sue you for defamation, uh, you can just tell them like, uh, I'm sorry, did you see what happened to Major Williams? Because you really can't sue people critiquing your campaign. Um, so, all right, give me one more minute. Last couple points or any, any questions. Like I said, I'll be back later tonight. It's already going to be like, this is going to be a quick turnaround uh, tonight on YouTube of Marco Contreras. We're going to talk about his race for Chula Vista City Council. Hopefully whatever's going on with my voice gets fixed. I think maybe I was just rambling too much. Um, but we're going to talk to him about his race and what he's doing and how he's reaching out. Uh, to new potential voters and all that stuff. So he's a he's an exciting politician. He's an exciting guy who just he got kind of like thrust into politics, but I think he he's good for for politics here in San Diego. So um, I'm excited to have him on and kind of have a chat with him. Yes, on my YouTube you'll see it. It's live. Um, yeah, if you're in Chula Vista, he's going for District One. That's like uh, East Lake and East Chula Vista. 
So that's the district he's going for um, if you're in that area. So, all right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you later tonight at 8 o'clock. Obviously, I'll do the the podcast pre-show a little bit before. Um, And that's basically it. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you in a little bit later. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 